Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. Connor, the Club Q hero in Colorado Springs, California, saved a lot of lives. But did he act illegally? When he nearly killed the shooter, the alleged shooter, with the guy's own gun. Alleged gun. So everybody knows the story. This maniac shot up a gay nightclub in Colorado Springs. He killed five people. A lot more would have been killed or injured. But for a man springing into action, the hero, an army combat vet named Richard Fierro. He was at the club with his wife and his daughter and the daughter's fiance. The fiance was actually killed by the shooter. This veteran sprang into action and got the shooter's pistol, used the gun to bash him in the head over and over. Later, he said, I was worried the guy might have been dead. He, you know, total hero. He told another patron to grab the rifle. He told somebody else to call 911. Fierro's quote of note was, I grabbed the gun out of his hand and just started hitting him in the head over and over. When the cops arrived, Fierro was cuffed, put in the patrol car for an hour till the cops could sort it out and figure out he was the good guy, not the bad guy. So there are rules, of course, about how much force you can use. It has to be reasonable. But the funny thing about this story, Connor, is I was thinking about it and I was, I was chatting with a colleague and he and I had the exact same reaction, namely, you know, the big story is the shooting, the hero, but... To react to this, as I did and my colleague did, by asking ourselves, kind of in the back of my mind, gee, is the hero in trouble because he kept wailing away on this guy? That's, you know, that's kind of an intriguing issue to me. So, I mean, the fact, the very possibility of a hero getting into trouble, I think it's a comment on our attitude to the legal system. You know, let the punishment fit the crime that's so basic to us. But we're also skeptical about the misuse True. of the legal system. Absolutely. And uh, as, as you know, we've talked about it a lot. The tort reform debate has raged for decades. Yeah. So, now, every state law is different, and this happened in Colorado. But it does raise the issue once again, as you point out, this is a real thing in lots of states that have what they call stand-your-ground laws, or as in Colorado, they call it the make-my-day law. 
uh, right. for for uh, uh, Clint Eastwood, big Clint Eastwood reason. fans. Yeah. Um, so these are these are laws about when you can use uh, a certain amount of force in certain circumstances. People have heard the phrase "castle doctrine" sometimes, meaning your home is your castle. You have special protections. So you're and, in the house. Yeah. Somebody comes in, even though there's a big giant window, you could jump out to right. in safety. You, you don't have to jump through the no window. Duty it's your damn retreat. castle, so you can stand. Exactly. Having no duty to retreat means you're basically safe from certain uh, claims uh, of, you know, you assaulted this person or you murdered this person uh, that that would invalidate your self-defense claim uh, by point by the, the dead guy, uh, the dead guy's family, the state, uh, or whoever being able to say, look, you could have gotten away, um, that you used disproportionate force uh, through the lens of there was yeah. an ability to retreat. So the the reason that this arises, I mean, everybody agrees that, right, that, that, that this guy that stopped the murderous mass shooter is a hero, uh, but there's always the fear that this person might be, uh, you know, persecuted by a, a rogue prosecutor who decides they want to flex their power of the state, maybe get famous or whatever else. Um, and, or and, a rogue right. plaintiff, namely this guy who's going to be rotting in yeah, jail yeah, absolutely. Try, trying to sue. And I mean, yeah. as I mentioned a minute ago, I mean, the tort reform debate, that's kind of the that of the incubator for this idea. Right. It's raged for decades. And, you know, Stella Lembeck, the lady who was scalded by hot coffee from McDonald's, is the poster child of this. She, you, you remember years ago, she wins like three or four million bucks from McDonald's for a coffee burn. And a lot of people say, give me a break. You know, frivolous suits are running the country. On the other hand, there was evidence that McDonald's knew super right. hot coffee caused burns, but they kept selling it because it boosted sales. Yeah. It's so, kind of like the, the Pinto deal. Yeah, yeah, folks will die, but our Pinto profits right. will pay for the estimated payouts Horrifying. and then some. Yeah. yeah. So th this, like, th there's multiple levels to this debate, this tort reform debate. The level one debate um, that tort reformers, generally conservatives, pro-defendants in civil suits, because defendants in civil suits are generally rich people in corporations, um, they they fund the tort reform movement. Tort reform as a movement is the result of rich people, especially corporations, deciding, hey, let's uh, basically paint the plaintiff's personal injury uh, and and making people whole industry uh, of lawyers who do this for a living as bad guys who are all just, you know, getting them, buying themselves boats, right? And I have certainly, in my job as a defense lawyer for a big <laughs> company or big companies, uh, I have certainly run into those people. My job is basically to stop fraud from occurring, right? So I see the the worst of the worst cases where people have extremely thin uh, justifications for filing lawsuits and they want big payouts from insurance companies. Right. And these are often very frivolous cases. But despite the fact that that's literally my day job, I also see and recognize uh, the validity of a lot of people's uh, personal injury claims and the way that they uh, you know, have them themselves be made whole in our country, uh, their, that their rights are vindicated, is that they go to a uh, plaintiff's lawyer. Yeah, now, and, are and those plaintiff's lawyers sometimes scummy? Yeah, but and, that's and okay. in this case, of course, it's hard to imagine people being terribly sympathetic toward the the, uh, the shooter oh, yeah. or terribly hard on the hero. But yeah. I mean, you know, the hypotheticals, who knows what might happen? I mean, I'm, I'm picturing, you know, some granny, she's in CVS, right. she shoplifts the last tube of Preparation H, <laughs> and you're standing there a few feet away and you really want it. I, I mean, her. you really wanted this. So you beat her senseless, okay? <laughs> 
for and you're in trouble. Okay, right. Is that relevant here? I mean, in Colorado Springs, the bullets were flying. Yeah. People were dying. The hero said, "I wanted to make sure this guy would not kill yeah. anybody else." So yeah. pretty so, unlikely. He's he's going to be yeah, affected in by his this. specific scenario. The whole scenario, the the whole circumstance that is that he's in, which is uh, a guy who's clearly a potential mass shooter, shows up with a rifle, I believe, uh, and uh, is, is plus fired, a pistol. Yeah, yeah, and is firing it off. Um, once you're in that scenario, it's very hard to say uh, as a juror or a prosecutor or whatever else, okay, you've disarmed this guy. The gun is still around physically. Uh, you don't know how many shooters there are. You don't know how many, uh, you know, how strong this guy or durable this guy is. And you're punching, uh, you're wailing on him. Uh, and the gun is, you know, maybe potentially accessible. You don't have handcuffs. Maybe you don't have zip ties for the guy's hand. You have to incapacitate him so that the situation is over. Now, Humans are really bad at incapacitating other humans in a proportional way where they know, okay, this situation is completely over. You could get him sort of hogtied with an extension Mm -hmm. cord and you could think everything's wrapped up. And guess what? You're not as good with knots as you thought. And boom, now he's out. You could be wailing on him and just punch him a couple of times and and think, okay, uh, you know, I don't want I don't want to do anything wrong. I I don't want to hurt the guy because, you know, I don't know what's going on really in this scenario, uh, but I'm just going to you know, stop the immediate danger. Well, guess what? Maybe if you punch that guy uh, and you happen to be kind of strong or just unlucky, he hits his head on the floor. Boom, he's dead. That happens all the time. There's a famous case where a guy who is now a a crusader against interpersonal violence, like at an informal level, like bar fights, famously got into a bar fight through one punch and killed his opponent. Guy he'd never met, guy he just real, who was just having a bad day at the bar and picked a fight. Mm -hmm. And our guy- Ruined his entire life. The plot of plenty of TV shows I can remember seeing, yeah, basically. Yeah, he ruined his entire life because even yeah. though he wasn't the aggressor and was not blamed for this and didn't go to jail for this because he was defending himself, he he said, look, we can't just be getting in scraps all yeah. the time. People are fragile now, creatures. They're, they're countless hypotheticals. And of course, you know, cops are trained, uh, but they're governed by rules about use of force. The, what's the severity of the crime that was committed? Did the suspect pose a threat when you were going after him? Did he try to, to flee and so on? Same yeah. thing with with good Samaritans. They yeah. try to help somebody in trouble, but you can get in trouble as a good Samaritan if you were so reckless that you ended up you know, paralyzing some guy when if you had a little training and if you just held back, it wouldn't have happened. I'll say my big picture, 10,000 foot view on this situation is that we should be actually less worried about this guy being wrongfully uh, persecuted or sued and uh, and have a big judgment for money against him by the, the injured or uh, the state of somebody who dies or whatever, because that actually out in reality happens a lot less than the opposite, which is there are gun uh, fans. There are aficionados out there that have begun, that have started companies that will sell you training on how to portray your murder as self-defense wow. to the police. They will give you a little card that you keep in your wallet that you're because you're a member of my gun club. You pull it out and you read it to the guy when you call 911 after having killed somebody because you're, you know, a George Zimmerman type uh, who goes on a vigilante rampage uh, and, and thinks that this, this guy's, you know, ro- stealing my catalytic converter, so I should be allowed to kill him. Right. And you pull out the card and you read it to the 911 operator and it says, I was in deadly fear for my life and I found no avenue of retreat. And you say all this form stuff. That is a real problem in our society. And that is, I think, 10,000 feet what we should really be worried about, thinking, are people abusing the the stand-your-ground type laws and and, uh, using and abusing this as opposed to the opposite, what we should be afraid of? Good point. Hey, when we come back, should Clarence Thomas refuse to vote 
on cases involving issues where his wife has taken an activist Jenny! position. Is that like Stella and Marlon Brando? Jenny! But first, Connor's going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to To Any Lawyers. Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform you prefer numerically. That's probably Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, make sure you click that join or like or subscribe, whatever button it is on your platform. And also while you're there, get any episode pushed to your phone every single week. Uh, Make sure to leave us a comment and a little rating. And we'll love it. And we'll love you. And we'll send you a thank you postcard. We won't do that. But we'll think about it. (laughs) We'll be right back. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Justice Clarence Thomas's recusal from cases based on his wife's activism. A lot of people are asking the question, should he refuse to vote on cases involving issues where his wife has taken an activist position? So the story is familiar to most folks. Uh, Thomas is married to a political activist, Ginny. She's been heavily involved in advocating positions regarding Trump's election, fraud claims, the January 6th riot. And lawsuits have come before the Supreme Court on these topics, including the latest case, Connor, involving Arizona's Republican Party chair suing to block a subpoena from the House of Representatives January 6th committee. Uh, they want her phone and text records. So the U.S. Supreme Court voted 7-2 to to deny this Republican leader's request. So it was denied. But Alito and Clarence Thomas dissented. So there are rules about when a judge should step aside because of personal interest in pending cases. Right. The left says Thomas, of course, should uh, step aside. The right disagrees. So the question is, should the court... Should Clarence Thomas be recusing himself in these cases? And the interesting thing, Connor, is that in general, uh, judges are governed by a standard. You got to step aside if your wife or another close family member is involved as a party or somebody with a financial interest. Right. Uh, if if there's real an skin in, in the game, yeah. If there's interest that could be substantially affected by the outcome, and where impartiality might reasonably be questioned. Uh, and here's and the, that reasonableness is coming from the outside. It's people looking inward and saying, "What does this look like?" Right. and But here's my problem with it. A rooting interest, I think, shouldn't require recusal. And the Supreme Court, by the way, is unique in that nobody is above them. They don't, nobody is the boss of them. And, and there's so, the and, fundamental problem. Yeah, yeah, and they don't have any internal rules for right. when they will be bounced off. They have to agree. Each justice has to agree. So it's really a matter of pressure, public and inside the court. So we need to get on the record here what Ginny Thomas did. She emailed a bunch of Republican Arizona legislators urging them to replace Biden's slate of electors with Trump's. That's what we know she did. Mm -hmm. It's very likely that as an activist in this space and a a person who's promoting the January 6th insurrection and the Trump uh, elector slate replacement, she may well have been involved in other well, states and, where and they were pushing did, for other electors. Plus, states. she did more than that. Uh, you're right. I think she was involved in a lot of ways. For example, she called uh, the, what the January 6th committee was doing political persecution. And she sent about 29 messages to Trump's chief of staff saying, don't stop fighting. So what did Clarence Thomas do? He dissented repeatedly, trying to reject Pennsylvania votes, voting to let Trump withhold records from the January 6th committee. So The issue is, does this amount to an appearance of impropriety? I mean, maybe the recusal isn't mandated, but how does it look? 
I mean, I I think back, you know, since I'm a veteran of the O.J. Simpson murder case era, I think of that case. And if Judge Ito's wife, who was in the papers every day saying, O.J.'s guilty, wouldn't that make it look wrong for Judge Ito to preside over the case? I think a lot of people would say so. The problem, though, Connor, is a lot of spouses are very public, take very public positions. And so I think there's a, a possible double standard. Let me let me run a, a, a hypothetical by you. Yeah. What if Justice Sotomayor's hubby mm-hmm. was super involved in the pro-choice movement? Great example. He writes columns. He heads up activist groups. Does anybody think that Sotomayor would have to recuse herself if Mr. Sotomayor was a, a big activist? He didn't have a financial stake, literally, and he wasn't a party to a suit. So, I, I mean, if, if you look at it that way, I don't know why we're really calling for Thomas to recuse ourselves when I don't think the left would be calling for Sotomayor's husband to step down. Yeah, the reason that people are saying is Clarence Thomas, uh, should Clarence Thomas uh, uh, recuse himself from this scenario? is the same reason that people on the Titanic were probably sitting around and saying, well, maybe if we rearrange these deck chairs, <laughs> the ship won't sink, right? This is uh, the reality that that Democrats are so politically impotent with when it comes to the, the, the Supreme Court that the best they are willing to do, because they're so afraid of disrupting the status quo in any way, the best that they're willing to do is say, oh, please, Mr. Thomas, maybe you should not have horrible, terrible... Uh, just, just, just disgraceful Are opinions you on this. Fun specific- of Democrats with speech impediments. <laughs> no, they're just only uh, 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 anime-loving weeaboo Democrats. Okay. those are the ones who who, right. who, who I'm, I'm making fun. I got you. Uh, so I'm going to uh, pretend to understand that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's the voice I was talking. So this the the problem is uh, Clarence Thomas is so fundamentally compromised by his crazy fascist. <laughs> right-wing views, that he is so beyond what anyone would consider to be sort of a classical conservative, that he is literally attempt, he and his wife are both on the same page, and for all intents and purposes are the same uh, entity politically and, and philosophically, such that they would like the uh, the president of the United States to be Donald Trump in perpetuity, and they would like to install a Christian theocracy to run this country. You know, if you as run a into the ju- judge right? and Ginny at a cocktail party, it's going to be awkward. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and the Democrats are only willing to say, "Hey, on these on minor issues where your wife has taken reprehensible positions, we need you to recuse." Right, and their justification is rightfully, and they have they have logical uh, you know arguments here that there's a difference between somebody saying, "I'm pro life," and, and "I donate to pro life organizations" or "pro." choice organizations or what out there and having a having a political position as opposed to advocating for the overthrow of democracy in America yeah. trying to install a fascist dictator who who derides and evades the will of the people Donald Trump and stay in office even after he lost an yeah. election trying to find a thin fake justification for that which is what she did well, what she did should be a crime she should be in jail I'll for s- trying <laughs> to incite this continue push this insurrection kind of, kind of and, an accessory to the crime absolutely and the idea that we would equate that uh, to somebody's husband or, or other spouse just having political opinions and expressing them, that's the mismatch. That's the misnomer and why this is, because hers are what should be crimes and his would be just political well, positions. Well, I think we've explored this very thoroughly and you've given a good articulate <laughs> side of the story, but I will say this, Connor. Yeah. With respect to Clarence recusing himself, I don't want you to urge to, I, don't I would never to, recu- no, urge no. him to recuse himself, I, only to I, resign. I misspoke. I don't want you to hold your breath oh, yeah. about him recusing because yeah, if yeah, you yeah. do- we're going to lose you, and yeah. I don't want to lose you because yeah, you're I'm my valuable, son and I love you. I'm a valuable member of this pod, okay. and I would, that would be the end of me. When we come back, Connor is going to try to uh, reclaim his uh, glory uh, with respect to America's favorite game show. It's called Guess the Verdict. Yes. I give real-life facts oh. to Connor, 
And uh, so he's missed a couple in the last few weeks. I know. I, I just sense you're going to make a comeback today. We're going to have Guess the Verdict when we come back. Stick with Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So guess the verdict. That's the challenge for you, Connor. The story has to do with Chesty Love. I'm sweating. This is it's a lot. Uh, two weeks in a row I've missed here. I Chesty, need to get back. Chesty Love sweats every night because she's a uh, formidable topless dancer. I remember Chesty Love. And, Didn't and she run she for the news, president yeah. of the I mean, governor of California? Probably. I, and, she did when Schwarzenegger got, uh, uh, got when Gray Davis was not, uh, was impeached. Not only that, but she she went to tax court. So here's the here are the facts of the case, and you get to guess who wins. Okay. Chesty Love is... A moderately successful uh, stripper, a topless dancer, but she has a strategy. Mm -hmm. She uh, spends about $5,000 for implants, uh, boosting her boob size to 56 double F. Okay. Whoa! <laughs> so she naturally goes to, to her tax returns and, and fills out, gets a deduction there. My goodness, you know, this is a business expense. A business IRS expense. says, nice try, Chesty. Right. And we would like to interview you personally about this. We're going to audit you. Right. They said, your health and appearance expenses don't qualify, right. you can't get my a nose friend. Job and say, These are not business expenses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you get a nose job and say, well, that got me a promotion at work because, you know, people <laughs> think I'm more attractive and, and better, that, that's a problem. Our, it reflects our reality in our society right. that attractive people do better in their careers and are happier overall because they are treated better by their peers. We are definitely discriminatory towards people who we just deem unattractive, who don't fit the mold or whatever. But instead fit, of fascism, fascism is the real problem yeah, exactly. in America. That's a great point, yeah. But fit the mold is maybe an apt metaphor to use because uh, Chesty's not fitting yeah. anything in, in after this. This is this is bonkers. This so, is off the charts. So the big question for you, uh, you're in the isolation booth here in right. the game show. Oh, Who boy. wins? Does the IRS in tax court win? Or does Chesty Love prevail in her request okay. for a tax deduction? All right. So I'm Chesty's lawyer, and she comes to me and says, the IRS is chasing me. When I, I bet you'd money, represent her pro bono. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I certainly would. Um, and in this scenario, uh, she she comes to me and says, what do I do, doc? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm a doctor also in this scenario. Um, uh, they're, they're coming after me. Iris is coming after me. And I say, first, go to a tax lawyer because I'm not a tax lawyer. But second, second of all, I say, uh, look, you're going to make you're going to make an argument that these are business expenses, that this is not like uh, a cosmetic surgery, like your nose job where you say, oh, I just want to feel better about myself. I just like it. And we've decided those. Are, this is a business expense. This is part mm -hmm. of my show. You know, I incorporate them in my show, which yeah. I'm sure she does. Absolutely. That this is part and parcel of like, this is why I got hired. This is why maybe I have my residency at the Spearman Rhino or wherever it is that you're stripping. Um, this is, you know, maybe there's a part of my contract that says I have to get you know, get modifications. Or maybe she, you know, has an agreement with her her boss that says if she gets rid of the double FM implants, then she no longer has her job. Don't at, forget at the, the 56 part. Right. So she's going to have to say that this is not a normal uh, a boob job. This is something out. And I think because their 
they're so freaking large. They're so off the charts and irrationally large. She's going to have a really good argument. I think she's going to win because she's going to say that this is not a normal boob job. This is specifically part of my job. This is like a mechanic getting his hands replaced with wrenches. No one would do this. No one would do this. Like Edward Scissorhands getting hands replaced with scissors. Exactly. You got it. Yes. A big win for Connor. Finally. So this, this is what the judge said. Judge Joan Tate, a female judge, as okay. it happens. Okay. She allowed the deduction. She said the new breasts were so large and cumbersome, estimated at 10 pounds each, there was no personal benefit. It was compared to uh, a dachshund strapped to your chest. She ruled the implants contorted Chesty's body into a grotesque appearance. This is Judge Tate being a little yeah, personal, prejudiced yeah. here. All for making money. The judge pointed out Chesty's income went from $1,600 a month to $14,000 a month Damn. after the operation. Oh man, I gotta get some surgery. So that's a, a simple mathematical equation. Yeah. 56 FF equals $14,000 times cow. 12. Wow. Yeah, so you're right. Uh, Chesty Love was the big winner. Nice. Hey Connor, we got a couple of minutes, so I want to introduce a brand new segment here. It's called Legal Outrage of the Week. Ooh. Are you ready to go to yes. Fiji to talk about this? Uh, sure. In Fiji, apparently there's a rule. Make fun of a judge and you go to prison. In Fiji, uh, very recently a judge issued an order and it contained a couple of typos. He meant to say an uh, injunction. And instead, he typed in injection. Sure. Could happen. Happens. Happened Microsoft twice. Word. There's a high-profile attorney uh, in uh, in Fiji posted a gently mocking note on Facebook Ooh, about it. He said, maybe our judges need to be shielded from all this vaccination campaigning. Well, Fiji has a problem with democracy, apparently. They've had four coups oh in the God. last 30 years. Sure. It's called a conditional democracy, whatever the hell that is. Oh, boy. Basically, if you criticize the government, you get prosecuted. Oh, boy. This attorney was actually thinking about running for office for... Four months after his Facebook post, he's been charged with contempt of court by the attorney general, who's also a cabinet member of uh, uh, in the administration there, saying the uh, lawyer tried to ridicule the judge and the Fiji judiciary. He was found guilty, and he will be sentenced next month. So what about... His name's Richard Nadu. Free Richard Nadu. Shouldn't yeah. we start a campaign? Absolutely. Free Richard Nadu. I mean, this does come up in, in America. Fortunately, it's not too pervasive uh, a problem. It just doesn't happen that much. But the power of American courts also extends to hold people in contempt. Now, usually that's for violations of uh, court rules, like disrupting the courtroom in the middle of a trial or refusing to show up if you're ordered to or something like that, refusing to respond to a subpoena. But it can also be misused and abused. And sometimes people do get aggressive or, you know, cuss at a judge and the judge holds them in contempt, right? Contempt, right? I hope you brought your toothbrush is the phrase because you're going to be in jail overnight. And while that is certainly an important power of the court to keep order in the room, um, it, it, is a, it is a recognition uh, of something we should always be a, a wary of because we are handing judges the power of life and death and also the power to lock you up or not. And when they are the human animal, they're going to make mistakes. Well, maybe we should rename Fiji Misuse and Abuse because this seems like definitely <laughs> yes, it a does. miscarriage of justice. All right, that'll do it for us for Too Many Lawyers. We'll see you next week. Have a great one.
Okay, this will be a promo. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, is the Army combat vet who saved lives in the Colorado nightclub shooting in trouble in spite of his heroism for nearly killing the perp with the bad guy's own gun? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is a message for anyone with high LDLC or bad cholesterol who has had or is at risk of having a cardiovascular adverse event. Merck is studying an investigational medication to see whether it may help lower the risk of future cardiovascular adverse events. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death worldwide. And in the United States alone, there are over 73 million people living with high LDLC. To learn about whether you may qualify, visit CoralReefStudies.com now. Again, that is C-O-R-A-L-R-E-E-F-S-T-U-D-I-E-S dot com.